0: Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition.
1: Oh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even expect them.
0: (laughs) The only thing I could think about was how my references for Spain were decades-old British humor about history.
1: Yeah, I Spain is, for some reason, I mean... France, I, I know I know a bit and in, in in like France, Italy. I, I like Italy and I I like Italy stuff, but like Spain is always that country that's just like it's just lumped in with them, but it's kind of the the mid-tier of the Europe the Europe countries in terms of my cinematic interest in them.
0: Yeah, I'm aware of Spain as a producer of some of my favorite acts like Mexico. Mm. Colombia, right. Cuba, Argentina, yeah. you know, pretty much like the entire southern half of the American <laughs> continent. <laughs> aside right. from, aside from, I mean, the Portuguese put their big old stamp on Brazil. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the Spanish, they were just all over the place pillaging everywhere. They're one of the six flags over Texas. But it's like... I don't know. They're like Damon Albarn. We know that he made the gorillas, but he's like we don't know what part. Like
1: <laughs> but you know what that means? It means the Spanish have a lot of skeletons in their closet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Almost okay, arguably, I mean, this is the question for the for the audience, who more, the British or the Spanish?
1: Well, I was going to say those skeletons are about to come out biting big time in right oh yeah
0: <laughs> all right let's get to it um oh, God, why do i know spanish i just can't think of anything right now i already used ole in the last episode
1: uh, arriba. arriba arriba andale
0: andale, andale. I'm Oshira, and this is Necromancer. Necromancer. I, myself, am a fan of romantic comedies. Brett, what kind of movies do you like?
1: I love horror movies. Also, is this the first found footage movie we've done? Actually, yes, this is.
0: Well, congratulations. You've arrived at a very special episode of Necromancer where we... Take a rom-com and a horror movie, and then we flip-flop those movies. We turn the rom-com into a horror, and the horror into the rom-com. You have just tuned in to the second half of our Spain theme, España. And we are talking about the movie Wreck, our first found footage movie. I don't know. I, How do you feel about found footage movies? Because they're very popular in horror.
1: Oh yeah, because as I mentioned in the last episode, they're they're they've got to be in in terms of movie budget, they've got to be dirt cheap to make, and um oh, you can
0: it, make it on a cell phone now.
1: Yeah, and so it's an easy gimmick, it's an easy premise, it's an easy stuff. I mean, found footage as a genre has become uh, its own genre, and I don't, I can't speak to the genre itself. I don't know if I'm ever looking forward to a found footage movie or going out of my way to see a found footage movie. Um, But like when the people who know how to take advantage of the genre, do it right. Like the people in (laughs) wreck when they make it a extremely fun carnival thrill house of horrors, like fuck. Yeah. I'm all for it. I thought this movie was firing on on all cylinders for most of the movie. I thought it was just a super fun time. Um,
0: Allow me to echo something that you said in our previous episode when you said man, I'm like Superman because this movie just bounced right off of me. I will say that that is true for me for Wreck with the exception of the last 15 minutes of the movie which are absolutely bonkers, which, you know, bonkers for me is always a positive adjective. Uh So I, I, I loved the last 15 minutes of the movie, but, you know, everything before was just kind of like, yeah, like, I recognized why it's so beloved with horror fans. But I don't know, I have problems with found footage, because you always have to have that c- like for lack of a better word i think i'm using it correctly conceit that the camera is always rolling so there's always someone who turns to the camera and says turn it off why do you keep filming and then the yeah. person behind the camera just keeps filming and it's i do think that this movie though i will say that normally i do have big problems with that but they had several little touches where They could capture scenes without the frame of this dogged reporter who needs to get her story no matter what. She's got to get the footage. She wants to get the footage. Um, But uh, they had, you know, the little bits with the girl turning on the camera or the camera having problems or Pablo operating the camera free of Angela in a way that was really tense and exciting um, but yeah, I usually have issues with found footage movies making the filming necessary because it feels like something that you have to do. You have to make the found footage necessary to film.
1: Yeah, I, I'll i say yes. I think that um, I think this movie handled it pretty well by making it like footage for a TV show. This is essentially, you're just watching the footage of like, we're recording footage for a show and we didn't get to edit it. So yeah, we recorded a little bit more than we needed to here. We probably didn't record some parts that we needed, but the idea that, that they're recording a show helps. And I made it my own little head cannon that it was less about her it was it was less about angela trying to just like capture the footage to be a reporter and it was more about like the only like this thing is becoming so weird that the only way the truth will ever be found is if we do document everything that's happening so I I agree that, like, that's kind of more my own headcanon. That's kind of more something that I added to the movie than the movie kind of provided me. Because Angela's motivation throughout the movie is very much uh, uh, a standard, like, I'm a reporter. Capture the footage. We want the story.
0: But, I mean, it's one of those things, like, you know, there's that National Geographic photo of the starving African child or whatever where there's this idea of how much ethical responsibility is borne by the people creating the footage, you know what I mean? I... To, to observe and to take the footage versus how much you do to actually help. Um, and she definitely makes a transformation over the course of the movie where it becomes a lot more about survival than about getting the footage, although she still cares about the footage, but, I right. mean there there's definitely there's definitely an ethical question behind the motivation.
1: Well, of also the pl- plus, I mean this movie was made in 2007, but watching this post quarantine, oh my
0: god, like... it gave me so many. It triggered me. Yeah. It, it gave me pandemic triggers for sure. Yeah, uh, like that's when a they big told them that they couldn't, the when they told them that they couldn't leave, I I thought, man, it's yeah. just like
1: 2020. <laughs> So it is like in in a in a quarantine type situation where the government is preventing you from doing something, telling you something bad is happening, but also not giving you the proper tools for survival. It is like we we need to document this to so that other people don't go through stuff like this or so that people can be held accountable, because if they had just left right at the beginning, everything probably would have been fine. But then you wouldn't have an awesome movie. So right um but also i will say that sometimes when i'm watching a movie like this like i i was i was getting super into it i was like all right yeah, yeah yeah, i'm picking up what they're putting down but every once in a while like a scene would just start to amp up the craziness and it would take a while for my brain to go like i like this movie because my immediate reaction was like this is just so silly and dumb <laughs> Like, this is just so silly and dumb. So I can totally see why this bounced off of you. But, I mean, maybe
0: um, it's weird. Maybe you're almost saying that the parts that you found silly and dumb were the parts that awakened something in me, where everything else for me was just like, eh.
1: No, there's just a lot of parts in the middle of this movie where it's just people yelling at each other and talking over each other and stuff. And I got into it because that, I also... I knew that like that was kind of the Spanish that was what the Spanishness of the movie was bringing was like the language itself allows for there to be more people talking over each other more people to be demanding information out of each other just the way that everything is communicated uh, I think that's also one of the reasons why you probably had a very hard time finding the Uh, Spanish version of this movie. I
0: wish, I wish so bad, you know, this, this is something that I think is a crime against wreck. And I'm not trying to diss the work of actors who do English dubbing. I think that doing dubbing is a skill in itself and it is a difficult thing to do well. Um, it, like oh, voice I, voiceover voiceover acting is hard, and I think dubbing is probably specifically hard in a in a particular way. That all said, most of the time I want to listen to things in the original language, even if I can't understand exactly what's being said, and I need to rely on the subtitles. Being able to to hear their voices, how they say things, I think it does matter.
1: I. I probably will go through and watch a couple scenes of the dub just to see what it's like but yeah the moment the dub hit me I was like no I can't do it and you're you're absolutely right if you're trying to find a, a, an original language version copy of this movie the internet makes it so that you really have to go out of your way and look. What for
0: streamer did you find it through just so everybody can know the right place to look, which would be not Amazon and not Apple.
1: Well, so there's, there's streaming sites that you can use that I can't recommend because I don't oh, know. Safe so you're they are talking for your about
0: outside of the legal <laughs> recommendations. well, Yeah, let this be a lesson to the legal distributors of this movie that you are
1: screwing us over. But even the illegal streams, the the streaming sites that have it, I would say it probably took me about eight or nine tries before I found a a Spanish copy because all of them were dubbed all oh, of How frustrating
0: yeah it's I mean it's almost as frustrating to me as the French kiss problem which just still mystifies me that no streaming service has this movie nobody even has a DVD player anymore I played the movie through my PlayStation That yeah. it's just it's a crime that French kiss isn't on streaming and I'm going to remind everybody about it as much as I can <laughs> Uh but getting back to Rec, Require Require, Requerde, requerde, requerde May, Rec, Remember mm. Me, Rec. <laughs> um, but yeah, remembering Rec. Uh why don't we go ahead and get into this story? Oh, one thing I just wanted to say before I forget. Um, yeah, with found footage movies, I feel like more often they find me than me purposefully seeking (laughs) out a movie for instance i i don't know about you but do you remember the whole marketing around the blair witch project
1: oh yeah the marketing for that movie gave me nightmares
0: oh my god you really thought that there were these campers that got lost I
1: legit thought that there were these campers who had a tape found they showed maps of where they found the tape and they showed you know what i mean like i I had nightmares I watched a uh, sci-fi special behind the scenes like primer on who the Blair Witch is and then they had a special like 10 minute segment about the movie or whatever that was all like hyping up the movie and it gave me nightmares
0: wow I was super into it yeah before you even saw someone stand in a corner
1: (laughs) It was I, and, disturbing.
0: <laughs> it was very disturbing. Very, very
1: disturbing.
0: Um. So getting back to to Wreck, to though, which didn't I, I would wonder, like, if Wreck had not had marketing like that it uh, would have been fun, right? Uh, yeah. So we've got reporter Angela the doll and her cameraman Pablo. I like that we never see Pablo. Poor Pablo. Yeah. He's always just the guy behind the camera. Um, so they're covering the night shift of one of Barcelona's local fire stations for a television series while you're sleeping. I did want to change it to while you were sleeping to make it the same <laughs> as the rom com, but I'm cool. conscious of the fact that it was not the same. Uh, so while they're recording, um, the firehouse receives a call uh, about an old woman, Mrs. Izquierdo, who is trapped in her apartment and screaming. Now, the summary kind of glosses over this, but I would say for a movie that's so short at 76 minutes, we don't plunge right into the action. We kind of ease into it. It seems like, oh. Here's a normal little report and they're even bored for a while. They have nothing to do. They're trying to find something to make a story and they can't. What Well, what do you want to so, say? You do think that this movie plunges in?
1: Oh, no, no, no. It, it takes 10 minutes before they actually get to the house and in the door and all that stuff. But it's a good 10 minutes. I'll say two things. One, I think that we need that 10 minutes because I think... I, I don't know how it works with with the the dub, but I think Angela is super adorable in this movie. Well, you're
0: right. And- that they try to make her almost childlike. She's wearing pigtails. she's got this red bomber jacket that feels very youthful. right they play but- basketball. she flirts with Alex.
1: Yeah, and it's just, I I liked having that time to to care for the character just in terms of like, okay, I'm not going on a grand adventure with this character. Again, I'm going to a carnival funhouse with this character. So is this character going to be able to get me through the carnival funhouse? Like... You know, is is she going to be able to do that? And I think she can. I think her mannerisms and her... Like, everything about her is just super cute and adorable. And then when she has to start, like... Again, when she she does the diehard thing, when she wears the tank top and it's all bloodied and dirtied and she's becoming a, a badass, like, it's... It just... It feels nice. But also... So as I mentioned, it took me a while to find the version of this movie, which means that 10 minutes into this movie, once they actually started to get into the movie, I paused it to go to the bathroom, refresh my snacks and all this stuff. And Sonya was out on the couch with me at the time, moving into the room. So I told Sonya, I was like, this movie is not scary. This movie is not scary at all. I don't get what the big hype is. It's this lady is following a fire department around overnight and they're just going on a routine phone call. I don't understand what is scary about this movie. So, of course, it became a running gag throughout the movie that like anytime something awesome would happen and I would go, oh, and Sony would be like, what? I'm like, this night is anything but routine (laughs) like i just like leaning into the movie having fun with the movie um so i I played up into it big time but i also i'm gonna guess that you didn't like give this movie a hundred percent of your attention um and I'll be honest, I don't I didn't give Ocho Apilleros 100% of my attention. I just let that movie wash over me and I had a fun time with it. But like I knew this was a horror staple. I knew that it had been in the conversation for over a decade. Finally, I'm sitting down to watch it and I'm like, "You know what? I I did the movie theater treatment. Turned off all the lights, turned off my phone. Like I gave this movie 100% of my attention." and
0: um I think that you may be right I I mean I would say that a large part of my difficulty there has to do with me having ADD and even with uh Ocho Apolleros I had ADD where I had to stop the movie
1: to literally
0: answer the questions (laughs) I had so you
1: could watch the movie better
0: yeah, I couldn't watch the movie <laughs> because it, it, if I were just thinking about my unanswered questions, I couldn't yeah. even pay attention to the movie. And, you know, with Wreck, with it was just, it was harder to pull in my attention. I feel like if if Austin Film Society did, you know, one of their, you know, uh, I forget what, what the, um, the host and the theme is. But then, um, you know, with those late night movies where we saw that lesbian pirate thing. Um, but, but if they did a night where they showed wreck and I could, you know, watch wreck with the the home theater or movie theater experience, maybe I would appreciate it more. And there were things that I did appreciate about this movie or I found to be clever um but this no movie, it it didn't immediately pull me in in the beginning
1: this movie is like a club EDM song for horror festivals you know what i mean like this if i came out of a screening of this at fantastic fest i would have been like that movie was a banger yeah <laughs> you know, no this, this would is be the kind of movie is that is i would love to
0: see into. at a fest because right you're watching all these movies and some are hit or miss for you and you're thinking like oh man i don't know if i can handle one more movie but then you see rex only 76 minutes and you're like "Ah, oh, I'll, I'll go to one more
1: right. and then it
0: turns out to be the best movie you saw And then the, the, day. the
1: first time the lady bites a guy and like shit gets real the crowd goes nuts and you're like all right i'm in it yeah. yeah. Uh
0: what you were saying earlier though, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast, but it reminds me specifically of when I was watching Chinatown and my roommate came in and I was like, God, this movie's so boring. I don't even know why they call it Chinatown. And literally right then is when Jack Nicholson starts to talk about his whole Chinatown metaphor. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, God, this movie makes me so fucking angry, but it's also really good. Uh, I, I had to admit to myself that that it was a great movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, up until the point when he finally started talking about Chinatown, I was very unsure. <laughs> and then I'm like, they haven't even explained the title yet. <laughs> and then they did. So so similarly here we get to the call the apartment which is on uh they make sure to tell us on Rambla de Catalunya and I looked it up this is a very popular street in Barcelona that's supposed to have very beautiful architecture and art museums and yeah. you know cultural things and it does look like one of those old european apartments that are very classy
1: yeah like in fact when they say we need to go to the first floor they go up like five flights of steps to get to the first floor (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those old european buildings all the doors are 12 feet tall for some reason
0: right (laughs) and they're like in the center or something right yeah they're every everything is very very old and european it's like they spent all the money on the location, and then had nothing left over to film it, uh, and and they just had to do it that way. So two police officers, they're already there. Um, they go up to the old woman who becomes aggressive and bites one of the officers in the neck. And I like the way that they dressed her. They dressed her in this like kind of gross white nightgown and so when it becomes totally covered in blood she looks especially frightening
1: yeah it's very creepy in the plainness of like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's just a, a it's just someone who was asleep not ready for anyone to see them they're dressed in very plain pajamas and it's it's almost ugly in like how it's shown because it's It's like, it's not vulgar, but it almost is vulgar. You know what I mean?
0: But yeah, it's um, nudity or, or nakedness without any kind of sexuality or eroticism attached to it. It's just very, I don't know. I think, yeah, that's, that's what makes it very creepy. Um, So immediately, as soon as they get there, officer gets bitten in the neck They have to take him downstairs. They want to get him medical attention. Uh Uh-oh, the building is completely sealed off and they're not letting anyone outside. And so they have to make do with what they have. And they lead the um, injured officer into another room where they can stabilize him while they wait for help. Uh, And they're just they're trying to figure uh out what to do.
1: In the lobby area, the foyer area of the apartment complex, we also get the little scattering of all the residents who have mm-hmm. been sort of placed out of their apartments due to the commotion.
0: Well, yeah, now we get the the mist-style Frank Darabont right. meeting of the residents and what are we going to do. And this might be my favorite, like, um, more than the biting of the neck where I, I felt like I've seen enough zombie movies to know that the creepy woman at the end of the hall might be a zombie, um, but as everybody's panicking and talking, the fact that Alex just drops onto the ground floor from from the um, you know the spiral or the staircase above—it's just this body just thunk just drops in the background. Um, and it's, it's very sudden and unadorned in the way it happens. It's just like plop or, or whatever.
1: I loved this part. When the body plopped on the floor, I went nuts. That was Um, great. But I will say like, I liked the buildup. I liked the bite and I loved the plop. But once all of this happens, the movie does kind of start to go on this like gentle coasting downhill of like, okay, now it is, they are just stuck in a building and they got to try to find their way out. And there is a lot more like, there's a lot more of the chaos of the situation than the thrill ride aspect of the situation. But I was into it the whole time. And I thought that like, it did a really good job to build up to the last 15 minutes, which is, is a standout of the rest of the movie. Cause I could see the rest of the movie is kind of like, it almost starts to pick up, but then it kind of pulls back a little bit and it almost starts to pick up. And then it pulls back just a little bit, which is probably the result of this being a very low budget movie. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, um and I I wouldn't be surprised if this is I don't know a, a a first movie or a second movie for whoever made it.
1: Right. Yeah, I would I would assume so too. Yeah. But like yeah, I just I really got into the movie. I was really I didn't look up anything about the movie, so I didn't know it was zombies. I genuinely thought it was more about demons and ghosts. Oh,
0: I feel um, bad that I, I was spoiled on it. And I'm glad that I didn't tell you anything. I knew that it was a zombie movie. I didn't know what kind of zombie movie it would be.
1: Right. Well, I mean, very early in the movie, they're like, hey, this is zombies. <laughs> like as soon as the lady starts biting people, I'm like, oh, all right, we're, we're in zombie territory. But then they do. They blend it over into the the more Catholic, medieval, spiritual, uh, religious aspect.
0: But also, um, I do... You know, zombie movies I'm so-so about. But you know what kind of movie I do love? When a bunch of people are trapped in one place. I don't know. Like a cube? <laughs>
1: oh, I was thinking this movie we're doing we're doing um uh countries italy is right next door to spain and both of our italy spain horror movies featured people stuck inside of a building having to fight their way out with a I demonic think of demons demonic bitey transmission virus thing like this is this is zombies only or this is uh demons only 2007 <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I do I did think of demons. I did like that. I mean, maybe this is just an Italian thing, but yeah, demons was just so much wetter. There was just so much yeah. goo. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. people get bloody in this movie, and people get blood on them in wreck. But I mean, the amount of goo in people and demons is very inspiring for me.
1: Yeah, uh, found footage is a is a very very loose genre that could mean anything, but giallo giallo is giallo is a very wet genre
0: yes yes no there's there's a definite (laughs) splash zone in the in the front row of of a giallo um so now we've got the onset of of the really juicy action so we've got a second injured person who has to be taken away and then we've got one remaining officer and one remaining fireman And so Angela and Pablo follow them back up to Mrs. Izguerdo's place where they see her again, as well as a girl who's like clutching her arm. And then um, Mrs. Izguerdo kills the girl and the officer. He's just got to shoot her. He's got to shoot her. And so he shoots her and she she gets taken down. And Angela is very shooketh. Uh, And they begin uh, interviewing residents. Uh, One of the interviewees is a little sick girl named Jennifer Uh, and her mother. And
1: a lot of the interviewees make reference to the fact that like something isn't right or something hasn't been right for a while. But it's always like it's always glossed over because it's a very chaotic situation. Mm-hmm. So they, they do their job. They do their due diligences of like establishing creepiness. This would and make then, a yeah. great video game. Oh, yeah. This would be awesome. Um, but then, yeah, we get the, the the little girl who's sick. And yeah, we just get more and more. I just I like the idea of a bunch of people who don't know what's going on. And all of them have different ways of dealing with it. And all of them have different roles of authority when dealing with it, even though in a situation like this, there really is no defined authority, right? Like the cop doesn't do a great job of managing the situation. He just does what's best, which is telling everyone to keep calm, which is what his orders are. So I just like movies where like people are, people who are supposed to be in control, don't know what's going on. And then people who aren't supposed to be in control, step up to kind of try to get a handle on the chaos. That's kind of like a little cat nippy thing for me that I, yeah. I just respond to. I like chaos in movies and this movie handles chaos really well.
0: I do like a, I do like a good, a good bounty of chaos in movies. Um, and I, I like the situation you described where there's the person who, would be a background character in any other story just kind of rises to the occasion. I think, um, the, uh, the mist really had that too. Yeah. So now they're, they, they're interviewing Jennifer, uh, mother claims that she's got tonsillitis and also lets us know that the dog is at the vet because he's sick too. Uh, and then finally, the authority or seeming voice of reason arrives, the health inspector, but gosh, he's no help at all. He attempts to treat the injured. And for some reason, the dub gave the um, health inspector a British accent. Everybody else in the movie, in the dub has an American accent, but they're like, this guy will make him British because he's an authority, I guess. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um and then uh the injured are are contained um in the building's textile warehouse uh and the health inspector gives us some exposition that they are infected with a virus similar to rabies and we've been here before 28 days ago. Um uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's 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 later now. Uh and Angela and they, they've traced it back to a dog from the apartment building. And I love when Angela's like, Is the dog's named Max?
1: <gasps> Gasp.
0: Max. And then everyone turns on Mari Carmen at the same time. Right. Jennifer. Pretty much instantly turns when this happens. Like it it removes any doubt at all that this girl is zombie infected. It is not tonsillitis, she is a zombie. Uh, And she immediately runs upstairs, and the cop cuffs Mari to the stairs for I don't know why.
1: She's been bit. By a zombie.
0: Oh, that's right. She was bit. But that was a very yeah. awkward place to put her.
1: Yeah, it well, yeah, but it was in the moment of, yeah, they, they've got to figure out what's going on. But also I liked the um is this this comes after the scene where they where the cameraman pa- Pablo, right? Where Pablo is eavesdropping. I like that whole scene where she keeps asking him, like, what's going on? He's like, shh. And they oh, use the camera.
0: He's eavesdropping on the right. officer and the health inspector.
1: Right, and then he's they using shut the, the camera door. as a tool to spy on them, which gives us some um, some good exposition. But then, yeah, this movie's very good at timing because you know that one of those guys that they have handcuffed is going to attack them. You know that the little girl is going to attack. Like, but everything just happens like. I would say just a fraction sooner than I was expecting, which was just enough for it to get a visceral reaction out of me. Only my visceral reaction wasn't one of like fright. It was one of like giddiness because I signed up for the carnival thrill ride.
0: The movie's getting to be really fun. Like pretty much when this happens and when they, when they close down that metal door, to keep the zombies in the warehouse from getting into the lobby. It's like, ooh, now we're cooking with fire. Uh, And so this is one of those moments where Pablo splits from Angela and he goes upstairs with the guys to look for Jennifer. And I think that the health inspector, too, has like some kind of syringe of something he wants to like, you know, he wants to stick her with a needle Right. And I don't know how that's going to make things better, but apparently it will. But of course, they find Jennifer. There's a struggle. She bites Sergio, who is the police officer, and tells the others to leave him. Um, and the,
1: the noises the little girl makes very unsettling.
0: Oh, yeah. They're like raptor, raptor yeah. noises. They sound very inhuman. Uh right. And so then Manu and Pablo find the remaining residents uh, running upstairs as the infected in the warehouse have broken down the door. So, you know, there was chaos before. There's even more chaos now. Yo. So we are down to essentially three survivors because... What happened with the health inspector is he had to, he got bit, he had to lock himself in, but even that was ineffectual because he was immediately able to get through the barrier that he created for himself. And then, um, you know, get that one guy who's like, well, the super has a key to every every room. You can we can escape through the sewers that way. Yeah. And then no, immediately you're right. after he gives that information, it's like, ah,
1: <laughs> you mentioned this uh, in between recording, but it was. um these, these characters give off very NPC vibes. And when the one character locks himself up in that space, he even says like, this probably isn't going to be enough to hold me. But when the fireman is standing right by the door and then the other character takes him by the shoulders and not just moves him away from the door, but switches spots with him to put himself right by the door where the guy who's been bit is, it's like, yes, they are telegraphing from a mile away that something bad is about to happen. But just again, the timing of this movie where he's like, the guy has it in his room and then and then the guy's arm busts through and he bites him in the neck and it's chaos. And we go from a very like, you've got to go here to now, like you're going here.
0: hmm. Yeah. So it's we've so received we've received our side quest from the MPC who just died. Uh, And so we've got Angela, Pablo, and Manu, the three survivors. They go up to the apartment to find the key, and it's very frantic. Um, And, of course, Manu is bitten outside of the apartment. And so Angela and Pablo have to then take refuge in the penthouse, where they discover that this is just a... A freaking true detectives, yeah. yellow king conspiracy culty apartment. I mean, this isn't your average stalker wall with a bunch of collaged pictures of someone's face. you have got newspapers and I don't know crosses and Virgin Marys everywhere, right? and medical
1: it's, jars and stuff. And oh yeah. yeah,
0: no, it's just it's very very creepy. Um, it, it reminds me of, um, I think it's like the third or fourth Conjuring movie where they find this like witch's lair. It's really amazing. Um, so then, uh, we get to, we get to the penthouse, they discover a tape recorder, which explains that the penthouse owner, an agent of the Vatican, was charged with the task of isolating an enzyme carried by a young Portuguese girl named Tristana Medeiros, whose symptoms suggest a demonic possession. As the agent attempted to treat Medeiros, the enzyme mutated and became contagious. The agent then sealed Tristana in the house to die of starvation, an infected boy within the attic damages the light on Pablo's. Oh, wait. Oh, it immediately goes into this next bit. So yeah, we we just learned about this this crazy girl, Tristana, who is apparently sealed somewhere within the penthouse. Or maybe the penthouse was locked because that was how they sealed her in. I don't know. Right. It's, it's just it's really creepy. And then, um, just randomly, the hatch to the attic opens, and so Pablo sticks his camera up there to look around, uh, and then that's when the infected boy uh, damages the light on the camera and puts them in total darkness. So we immediately go to third act of Silence of the Lambs, where you know Clarice Starling. Or Angela, in this case, is blind in the dark uh, while somebody else is her eyes. Uh, And the next thing that happens was probably my favorite part of the whole movie, because it's so freaking creepy, a figure comes out of, uh, like, starts to come out and... Angela is not able to see it It, it's Pablo seeing everyone and it is the emaciated figure of what the summary is telling me is Tristana um I don't know are we meant to assume that it's her or that it's just some crazy ghoul Um, yeah I kind of just
1: took it as like it could have been her it could have been just some crazy thing yeah it's kind of unclear
0: but just this this completely nightmarish figure um comes out and even though she is completely like very skinny and has this like wispy stringy hair, her like face and her neck seems like really
1: big. Right. So it's there's like weird. It's a it's an off-putting design because it's just humanoid enough to be like it's a person but it's also just humanoid enough to be like clearly there's something evil about this thing that i should stay away from because if it sees me it will hurt me
0: it's proportionally off like the size of her mouth and jaw it's like she's been evolved for the eating of humans (laughs) um and so then they try to escape but of course pablo is killed by tristana and drops the camera angela then picks it up and looks through the screen seeing tristana eating pablo she panics trips drops the camera the camera continues to record as angela is dragged into the darkness screaming the end
1: boom i like the fact that they end on like a rock and roll track Oh like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah! Ever. Like yeah, let's celebrate the movie we just watched. Yeah, it it was cool. Like, well, that's very yeah.
0: demons, right? Doesn't like demons right. like end with like a big riff?
1: Yeah, demons has riffs throughout the entire thing. The whole soundtrack for that movie was Sex Pistols and Billy Squire and. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, I think it's it is rock and
1: roll. Yeah, they're like, yeah, she gets dragged off. Yeah,
0: perfect use of 76 minutes. They didn't need anything more or anything less. Yeah, great, great runtime. So before we get into our remixes, got to ask, who did you have a crush on from this movie?
1: Well, I immediately developed a crush on Angela. But I will say that this is one of those scenarios where like my feelings about Angela goes from film crush to like film relationship. Cause I liked mm-hmm. her evolution as a character. I liked all that stuff. We spend the entire movie with her. So it's obviously more of a relationship than a crush, but my crush of the movie would have to be the guy, the, um, the intern. What's his name? I can't remember his name, but it's the intern guy. Um, And I liked him because they, they, he basically just has one interview where they ask him to explain everything. And he does, he explains everything that's going on in the movie. However, he's explaining it from his point of view, which includes a lot of, I don't know. And this is serious and we need to get these people to help. And, you know, it's, it's just a lot of him being very level headed, very calm, very in control, but also him knowing absolutely nothing about the situation. And so I really liked that, that as um that as a character. And it was cool that he was kind of the one character in the movie who was like kind of okay with the chaos because he he realized that like this is, you know, he's a doctor. He's going to be a doctor like this is how it is. Sometimes you just have to act on the information as you get it piece by piece. Um, It sucks that his death was kind of like. Just an afterthought, like he didn't really get like a like he should have gotten just. That's the one thing I could have used from this movie is just his death could have been a little bit more of a, a cool moment
0: yeah he didn't get a cool moment unlike the npc that revealed the keys who got a really cool death
1: yeah <laughs> that was a good one i really liked that one yeah um how about you who is your crush
0: i'm all about pablo i like that pablo yeah. was ride or die we never yep. got to see him but his presence was everywhere he's yeah. he was our eyes
1: Yeah. I liked him. I liked, yeah, it, it felt natural. It didn't feel like it felt like he was a cameraman who's been doing this for years and it's his job is just to like, keep recording. Like he, his, his recording style, Pablo as a character came out through his, his cinematography. And in fact, the cinematographer of the movie was Pablo Rosso who played, pablo the character so like they didn't hire an actor to be that guy they were just like our cinematographer is such an important part of the movie that he is the character
0: i think it's Um, perfect i i wouldn't have had it any other way and yeah he was my favorite he was the unsung hero
1: yeah for sure um pablo pablo knocked it out of the park So,
0: how was it turning this into a rom-com? I know you said in our last episode that you had a a pretty... You had an idea, um, but but nothing fleshed out, no pun intended.
1: I just wrapped up my 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 remix the same as you right before recording and it's all (laughs) like single words and disjointed sentences so sometimes when i go through my my remixes it's a mess i feel like this one's gonna be a mess this is an idea at best in a a very i don't know how, how i'm gonna read my own writing here but it should be interesting. But I had fun with it. I, um, I think sometimes it's easier if you don't have a direction to go. The best thing to do or one of the easier things to do is to kind of to, to use the little crutch we've learned to lean on, which is the sequel remix. Mm. So I kind of made a sequel to this movie that veers away from horror and more into rom-com. But yeah, that's, that's the angle I took.
0: Oh, interesting. I I just told a completely different story with the same characters.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Oh, and I think I came up with a really good title for this one.
1: (laughs) I've got a pretty neat title, too. I don't know if it's good, but it's neat. Uh, I'll go go first.
0: Yeah, go first. I'll go
1: first since this is horror. My title is just called Love. L U V.
0: Oh, L-U-V. Oh, we're getting pecky with it.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to say that this movie is going to open up with Maria. So this isn't a found footage movie, but we're going to use... Who the hell
0: is Maria?
1: Maria is our main character. Maria. Who is
0: Maria from the original movie? Is this a new girl? This
1: is a sequel. This is a sequel. A a nuevo niños. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so this is just a new, new character. New baby boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Niñas, you're right. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, she she is an editor, and she is tasked with editing Maria uh, with uh, editing Angela's footage. Ooh. Right. So. We get her editing some normal footage first, right? So we just get this idea of we develop a voyeuristic relationship where Maria starts to sort of develop her own little crush on Angela because Angela is a very crushable person, right? She's a charming TV personality, TV show host type. She's spunky. Right, she's very spunky. And so while she's editing the footage of of uh angela she starts to fall in love with with angela so we we develop this sense of like you know the first 15 minutes we're just gonna do like a theme tonal piece of like we'll we'll get to look at bloopers you know um and maria will will design a little blooper reel for us we're gonna talk to her old boss. Uh, uh, Angela's old boss, but like Angela's old boss is going to say stuff that contradicts what we see about Angela. So, you know, mm. we're still going to put we're, we've got to have some of the horror movies seep over from the original into our sequel rom-com remix. But um, you know, she's just editing all this footage and whatever, but then she decides she's going to try to find Angela. No one's ever found her. It's still in the news that she's missing. So Maria decides that she's going to find her. So she goes to the house. So then we have this interesting dynamic of like Back to the Future 2 dynamic where Maria is in the house watching the footage of the places she's in, you know, going back, looking for clues. Only instead of it being scary, it's going to be cute we're just going to totally retcon the tone of the movie and sort of make it like the fact that it isn't scary is funny. Like we, the, the more we lean into the fact that the original was scary and that this movie is not, I think the the more humor we can, we can bring out on that. But she, um she, she finds a lead on the old man, right? The, the, uh, the priest who was in the, the, the penthouse she Ooh. finds a lead on him father so ignacio goes, father ignacio where are you where in the world is father ignacio um so she goes to a new home to find him and not only does she find him but she finds angela and angela is now the one who's being experimented on And so Maria is so puppy dog in love with Angela that Maria is able to be like a little mousy character who's able to be sneaky and she frees Angela. So once again, just like my other remix, the end of this movie is just going to be a gauntlet of chaos. So once she frees Angela, Angela is not only like, we don't need to escape, we need to put an End to this, so they go to find Burn Father it to the ground. right? And so they've got demons everywhere, but the demons are all incompetent and stuff because it's a rom com. So we're going to lean more into hijinks territory than actual fright and scary territory. But the big thing that's going to happen is at the end of the movie, they're gonna they're gonna have the original camcorder or whatever, and it's going to be recording, and Maria is going to go in to give Angela a kiss, but then Maria is dragged away into the darkness, just like Angela was in the first movie. No. And then we cut to credits and then we cut back from credits and it's a fake out. And Angela's like, Oh hell no. So she goes into the darkness and then we just hear a bunch of screaming as demons are being slaughtered. And then Angela brings Maria back out from the darkness and then they finish their kiss on camera. And then we do a Aww. proper fade out in love, the end. So I just wanted to play with the last shot of this movie and like the rom-com spin on it of the 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 lover being torn away from, from their other lover. And then them saying, oh, hell no. Let's just finish this right here and now. Bing, bang, boom. The end. Kiss. Happy ever after and dot 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 i like that
0: mark. i think i think that that's cute yeah and i like that you made it a lesbian relationship and that and angela was still in the movie you tricked me at first with maria right but it turned out maria was the love interest yes. i appreciate so, that um
1: Oh, I don't know what I was going to say to add on to what you did, but yes. Um. So, yeah, I'm curious to know how you took it. But, oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the only thing I wanted to do is keep the found footage aspect, but make it like, you know, the sequel to a found footage movie that isn't just more recording of footage.
0: Oh, like the film sequel of the Blair Witch Project with Matthew Lillard.
1: I never watched it, but... Oh, it's
0: so silly. Book of Shadows. (laughs) Book of Shadows is very ridiculous. (laughs) I bet. Are you ready for this title? Prepare yourself. I can't wait. (laughs) Getting Wrecked.
1: Oh, yeah. I love it.
0: And of course, it's R-E-C apostrophe D.
1: Right. There, yeah, there's no other way it could be anything else. Getting wrecked.
0: Getting wrecked. So Angela is a reporter willing to do anything to get her program while you're sleeping more buzz, more attention. So one night she's covering some firemen as they attempt to rescue people from a burning building. And despite their warnings... She decides to follow them inside the inside the building where she finds a mother and daughter that are stuck in an elevator and attempts to help them. And she is successful in prying open the doors and setting them free with the help of her cameraman, Pablo. But then she inhales too much smoke and faints. And that is when Manu... A gruff, bald fireman who wasn't so enthusiastic about Angela's nosy coverage is the one to rescue her. Pablo, of course, gets the perfect shot of Manu bravely carrying Angela out of the building and the clip goes viral. This turns Manu into kind of a local celebrity and kind of thirst trap. You know, like how there was that Argentinian guy, Salt Bay, that everybody was obsessed with because he was really good at cutting steak and sprinkling salt and he looked interesting. No. <laughs> well, you can no. look up you can look up Salt Bay online and and refamiliarize yourself with the moment. But the idea is everybody's super into him. Maybe they've got like a name for him, like Mister, um, C- like Chief Clean after Mr. Clean. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's, there's it's like a whole moment and everybody's wondering, are Angela and Manu romantically involved? And so Angela sees this as an opportunity to get more people watching while you're sleeping. So she proposes to Manu that they pose as a couple, for a few months while the clip still has some traction and he agrees to it on the condition that angela help bring attention to his charity for retired firemen because of course firemen they inhale a lot of smoke most of them probably have um i don't know health problems like um rob lowe has um uh, he's got ca- lung cancer in Lone Star 911. That's basically where I got this idea from. I just oh, am- sure. as- I assume that firemen have job related health problems, and she's super touched to know that Manu has more to him under his grumpy exterior. And so we get to the meat of a fake relationship story. They have to go on interviews together. Maybe there's a few arranged dates. And over the course of this, Angela begins to warm up to Manu. Um, but Manu is kind of a little harder to read. Um, but we start to learn more things about him. Like even though he's this kind of tough, gruff guy, he likes all these soft things like baking and gardening, maybe even knitting. You know, he's like the, the kind of guy who looks really tough, but he's actually really sensitive. Um, yeah. And finally, Angela tells Manu that she has feelings for him, but Manu thinks that it would never work for real, and he rejects her. So, of course, Angela is heartbroken. Pablo, her ride-or-die cameraman, is pissed. He goes to Manu and demands answers. And this is where Manu confesses that he's had relationships before with women he's rescued. But after the endorphins die off of having survived this, you know, event and and, you know, being with Manu long term, most of the women end up leaving because they are more into him as this, you know, tough, brave fireman than the kind of man he is on the outside. And Manu just wants a woman who's going to love him for him, not because he rescued them from a fire. Mm. Right? I mean this this feels yeah, like a this, this feels like a conflict the firemen would have, right?
1: <laughs> I'm sure they deal with it all the time.
0: <laughs> Fire firemen listeners chime in. <laughs> uh and so Pablo takes this all in and he's got an idea because this is a Spanish movie, Pablo is obviously a meddler. Uh and mm. so he tells Angela to show up at the apartment building where Manu rescued her and he tells Manu to do the same thing Uh, and he manages to get Manu in that same elevator that trapped the mother and daughter and then makes the super shut the elevator off so when Angela comes in she sees Manu is trapped and guys this time she saves him
1: whoa (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so
1: yeah, I can just imagine a tiny little five foot ten, a hundred and ten pound girl saving fireman, a carrying someone pound, like a giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a two
0: hundred pound man. <laughs> and funny you should say that, the one line of dialogue that came to me was her saying, "I'm not going to carry you, though." To which Manu says, "I insist." Uh <laughs> Aww, yeah. And so maybe we do have that moment where she fireman carries him outside <laughs> yeah. and then they kiss and then the end.
1: Aw. I like it. Getting, Getting wrecked. wrecked. <laughs> yeah, it a viral hit.
0: I ooh. By the way, you said Viral Hit. I know it had nothing to do with this, but that is a really, really good comic that I recommend to you. If Mm. you were to get into Webtoons, uh, I would definitely tell you to check out Viral Hit uh, and uh, to check out Lookism which is a pretty good segue into letting y'all know that we're about to talk about our love bites before we get into our recommendations of the week. Just want to remind you folks that it wouldn't hurt you at all to follow us on social media, not one bit. And also not that much time to write a positive review and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. It's nice thing to do we definitely appreciate it and love you for it all right let's get into love bites what would you like to recommend this week brett
1: well since we're talking about dubs i'm gonna go ahead and say that one of the things that i do enjoy watching a good dub of is an old school martial art kung fu movie Right. Like they just, it there was a, a style, it, there was a style of dubbing that they had, and they just, there was something about, like, there's something about the cheesiness of those old martial arts movies and the way that when they speak in Chinese or Mandarin or whatever language they're using, they have a certain cadence which allows for certain emotions to come through. And when some of these 70s guys, <laughs> when, when some of these guys back in the 70s were like dubbing these martial arts movies, man, like they really just leaned into the silliness of the movie and they leaned into the cadence and they they I don't know how well the translations are translated, but it doesn't matter because the the cadence and tone and everything. Your monkey across. style
0: is no match for <laughs> yeah. my dragon style.
1: I I bust out lines like that all the time when I'm just like driving around in my car, I'll just say something like, but it's like a very crouching fist style has no match for my, (laughs) um, it is a specific cadence though. You're so right about
0: that. Like it's immediately recognizable to me when you describe it. Yeah.
1: And so I love it. One of the movies that I've always been hesitant to watch is the return to the chamber, to the 36th chamber of Shaolin. Now, Ah, I learned about
0: them through Wu-Tang.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wu-Tang RZA for sure. So um, the 36th Chamber of Shaolin is a very famous martial arts movie. It's essentially one giant training montage where the guy goes to a Shaolin temple and trains and then he becomes awesome. And at the end of the movie, he's created a 36th Chamber of Shaolin. Don't threaten me with a good time. Oh, you've got to see it. You've got to see it. It's so great. So Gordon Liu is the star of the movie who most people would probably know from Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. He was the head of the, the Crazy 88, Johnny Moe, and he was also Pai Mei, the crazy martial arts instructor. So the evil martial arts instructor. Um, so Gordon Liu is the guy who's in the first movie, and he plays the guy who goes into the um the 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 place right and becomes the the master well the sequel turns out that in the sequel he plays a different character and someone else takes on his original character but in the sequel it's essentially the same thing he goes to the 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 shaolin temple to learn kung fu so he can beat up the people terrorizing his village only The guy, who is the main character from the first movie, doesn't let him into the temple. Instead, what he does is he tasks Gordon Liu with constructing a scaffolding around the temple so that they can do maintenance on it.
0: Oh, 36 more chambers?
1: So, while Gordon Liu is constructing this cat the scaffolding around the temple he is also observing the people doing their martial arts and katas and stuff so of course he begins to incorporate the martial arts into his construction techniques and at the end of the movie they lean into this premise full force by the end of the movie so he, he does him He doesn't know Kung Fu. He knows construction. He develops his own scaffolding Mm. style Kung Fu. And at the end of the movie, I swear to God, it's on par with Cirque du Soleil level crazy intricacies of like Gordon Liu is building scaffolding around his opponents as he's fighting them so that he can trap them inside of the scaffolding. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what
0: you mean. I'm not even going to pretend to know what you mean. It just sounds crazy. And I like crazy.
1: Just to, to, he's got little bamboo zip ties and he's got little bamboo poles. And with these zip ties and poles as his weapons, his main primary mode of Kung Fu is not to attack the people, but to immobilize them. By constructing stuff around them, or by tying them to things, or to each other, it's just, it's, uh, I mean, if you like the last 15 minutes of Wreck, and you like horror, and you like martial arts movies, like, You would love the last 15 minutes of Return to the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. It It is martial arts like I've never seen it before. Scaffolding martial arts. It's so cheesy, but they make it work so well. And then... Of course, there's a threequel, there's Disciples to the 36th Chamber of Shaolin, <laughs> where Gordon Liu takes on the original role of the monk who, who from the first movie, and then these other people come to him, and they need his help, and he slowly teaches them throughout the course of the movie, and that one's a fine movie, but like, Return to the 36th Chamber of Shaolin is one of those sequels that, you know, I, I think... It's right up there with the original, man. Holy smoke. Scaffolding Kung Fu. Scaffolding Kung Fu. <laughs> it's nuts. You're never going to see anything else like it in any other movie. It's crazy. So, uh, uh, funnily dubbed martial arts movies with good choreography is my love bite. How about you? What's your love bite?
0: Well, you know me, I love sticking to a theme, and although we are surpassing the runtime of Wreck, I'm not mad at us <laughs> because it was no. it was worth discussing. Uh, I want to recommend another Spanish movie. Uh, last week, I recommended Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down by Pedro Almodovar. This week, I'm recommending a little movie that's English translated title is one that I actually like. It is Witching and Bitching. It is a Spanish horror comedy about some petty criminals that accidentally wind up in a Spanish border town. They're fleeing the police and they get involved with the local witches there. And this movie is really silly, really campy, um, but I enjoyed the experience. It felt like it was big on girl power, witch power, if you will. I'm not going to say how it shows up. This is a slight spoiler, so you can skip past it if you really want to know nothing about this movie. But there is a reference to the Venus of Willendorf which culture snobs will recognize as this ancient piece of art. Um, It's a fertility statue of a fat lady with big boobs. But yeah, yeah, it is a very recognizable cultural artifact. And the reference to this statue in the movie is a lot of fun. Uh, But yeah, witching and bitching. I would say that if you... Are tickled by Spanish horror and you want to watch a Spanish horror comedy after watching uh, just straight up horror with Wreck, uh, I would recommend that one.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at uh, the IMDb page right now and a little bit of the the trailer that they showed looks very silly.
0: It is incredibly yeah, silly. It looks good. The poster uh, but, for it is, a but great yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, I I thought it was fun. I actually I watched it when I was doing one of those 31 days for October challenge. And I was like, oh, what yeah. movie do I watch today? And I'm like, "Witchin' and bitching. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was a good choice.
1: All right. witchin' and bitchin'.
0: All right. Well, Grandpappy Marte, you want to sign us off?
1: Yes. I'll just have to say, Shira, we have to record everything!